0: Welcome to Self-Directed. We are your hosts, Cecilia and Jesper Conrad. And now it's time to welcome this week's guest. Today we're together with Thorsten Klaus. And when I shared about the Better Dad Institute I have started, he contacted me. And I was like, oh, another dad who's done with unschooling and like this kind of life. I would really love to interview him for a podcast because... But most of the people who have a big voice uh, around unschooling and homeschooling is actually the the mothers. And it's not so strange. It's the ones who are most at home with them and are most down with it. And whereas we fathers often are a little more slow in the uptake and getting started with the whole unschooling. And was it the same for you, Torsten? Or were you also like I was a little, ah, I'm not sure about this weird thing?
1: Well, first hello, and it's really nice to meet you here. <laughs> yeah. And I think if I look back, our journey, and by our I mean really my my wives and my journey as a, as a you know, as parents, as a couple, um, our unschooling, homeschooling, or as we say in German, Freilernen, free learning, which mm-hmm. I quite like this this kind of label uh, journey started before we even had children. I do remember uh sixteen, seventeen years ago, we sat on a sofa in the evenings and reflected a lot about our own upbringing. And that obviously included the time we spent in school and sort of what we went through and how we uh, defined ourselves and our teenage years and how school fell to us. And from these many conversations we had on a sofa, we concluded as a couple, we wanna go a different way. And but our time that was like in the um, early, like uh, 2003 2004 years of of the of the century in the uk we felt like hey let's see if we find like-minded people even without having children then and um so we connected with people and what we found really empowering that was a few years later when we went to the first unschooling conference in london the first uk unschooling conference and we met actually people from from america and these were the grown-ups not the kids, but like, like uh, people who went, who were unschoolers as yeah. children and teenagers, and listening to those stories was mm. so empowering, so helpful, and and supportive that we felt like this is our journey. Let's 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 make a start um, and and try this out. And if our kids, our, if our family, if we need to change direction at any time, you know, we we can do. Especially living in England at that time, it seemed very easy, and I think it is still very easy as as homeschoolers, unschoolers. We always um, said to ourselves, if our kids want to go to school one day, they can try. You know, we we never said you can't. Uh, It was always the option there. But we've been on this journey for now for 15, 16 years, and I'm not regretting it. It's been the most beautiful experience uh, spending time with my kids, uh, with my family, and, and being part of their, not only education, but their upbringing. And this is something else that my wife and I explored together and and we worked many years trying to find a good compromise and how we how we work as a family as as, as parents yeah. so we tried so many different models me being full-time she at home we both felt like no that's not going to work both sort of burning out with our energy levels then we swap we swapped places she full-time i at home with the kids so we really tried different ways and the the perfect model to our family seems like that we both work part-time and have enough time to be around the kids. This mm-hmm. is where we are now after 10, 15 years. And also like traveling. Maybe we talk about traveling later on anyways. Um, But um yeah, I think that's how it started. So it was like a very conscious decision to I go to school. I just want to
2: congratulate you. I think I've met mm-hmm. a few like you who knew it from the start. Who knew about it and made a conscious decision even before having children. Thank you. It must be... I mean, oh, it, for me, for us, but maybe for me because I took the lead, maybe for me mostly, it's been like running alongside a train and the train is going so fast and I try to keep up because I, have, I had my first child by what some would call an accident, I don't believe in that, but I was pretty young and I had a child all of my, he was gone when I woke up, so it was um I was just thrown into this whole experience of of parenting at a fairly young age. And and I wanted to do good and I've always been a radical person, but I didn't these concepts were not in Copenhagen at the time. I didn't know about it. And and then we accidentally fell in love and had some more kids and and, and we did radical things and they became more and more radical and, and ended up in this unschooling. Thing, but I felt I had to learn it while it happened. And I still have sometimes to say that to my youngest who is 11 and we've been on the journey also for something like 15 years that, you know, I'm just trying to keep up the life that my kids are leading is so different from the life that I had and the concepts that are sort of, even though I work with it on a daily basis, they're so stuck in a way, the filters. So I just... I'm doing this podcast with some women and one of them, uh, Luna, she also knew before she even had children because she lived with an unschooling family as a, yeah, like a helping hand for a while. I just envy that. You, it's, it's such a luxury. You should really appreciate it. You must have been so much ahead of the game before.
1: I would say yes and no. I think I I really hear what you're saying and i would say in some aspects we were maybe more prepared or kind of had an idea of you know which way we want to go but still because we went through the normal mainstream upbringing ourselves and didn't have many role models around us apart from the ones i just mentioned in the you know the conference and reading blogs and and you know listening to stories and and the like but you know doing the exp- having the experience firsthand with your own kids, it's always a different ball game, and I think there were many question marks on our journey as well, where we felt like, "Oh, is it the right track? And do we have the confidence, especially confidence, when you get um, a lot of, let's say, negative feedback, especially from family members, <laughs> observe oh, yeah. you very carefully?" And coming from Germany, where homeschooling is a total no-no, it's illegal. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there was very little understanding in my family for for this lifestyle and so having this constant pressure i think that's at least what we felt for the first years this constant pressure and withstanding the pressure and saying okay you know it's still the right journey and we're doing the right decisions and 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 keep you know keep doing our research and confirming for ourselves as a family yes it's fine you know it doesn't matter whether the child learns reading with five seven ten or in in our case our eldest he was a confident reader when he was twelve. But, and this is something I um, always like to, to quote there, there's this um, beautiful work by a German brain brain researcher, um, Professor Gerhard Hüther, and he said once in an interview, it really doesn't matter whether a child learns reading at, at the age of 5, 7, or 12, or even 14, because for most of the time in their life, they will be reading. So mm-hmm. when they, you know, they they live 80, 90, hundred years. Mm-hmm. So most of the time they will be reading. And now I can see my son. He's fifteen. He goes through a, about two books a week. That's that's yes, his yeah. average. That's so he's got he's got his, his Kindle, online libraries all over the world, and he reads more than than I have ever read at that age. So mm-hmm. that kind of, you know, confirms uh, um, and proves that you know that that it does work and we were on a right track. But we had also these dips where we felt like gosh, is that the right thing? And are we doing, are doing okay here? And, and do we uh, do something that really will make their lives more miserable? And one day the kids will come to us and say, oh, parents, what did you do to us?
0: But we, yeah. <laughs> you know.
2: That's the risk. I think, you know, they might say that at yeah. some point.
0: Thorsten, Tor- the, there's so many things you touch upon that I would like to unpack. Some of them, little by little. One of them is the the self-doubt. As a parent on are we doing the right thing and also the judgmental uh, from the from the surroundings, um, I find it very interesting that it is when we choose a different track than the mainstream that we start to question ourselves, is this good enough? And I also find it very strange that parents and surroundings start to question you on the readability level of your kids, how well are they to read and stuff like that? I have not met that from with our first uh, or oldest daughter. I ended up adopting uh, the, uh, our daughter, and when she was in school, people weren't questioning uh, if she could read or write and stuff. That was actually, you know, something they just expected because she was in the system.
2: But she did read at five. She
0: I mean, did it, read at five. It was. But you get the idea. There was it,
2: nothing to question. I'm but just the, saying. But the idea I
0: think is kids that
2: kids in school who learn to read late, like your son, and also our second child, our oldest son, learned very late, later than yours. Um, kids in school who learn late, they suffer a lot.
0: They, yeah, maybe maybe I mean, even are, more. They yeah, are yeah.
2: crushed by yeah. it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. My my point no, is you don't question the,
2: the school system. That's no, your point. That no, my, my point yeah, is yeah. we mm. don't
0: question ourselves. Is it the right choice to have my kid in school? I mm-hmm. think now with homeschooling and unschooling being talked more about, maybe more parents are starting to question: Is this the right choice for me and for for my kid? Most of all, to send them to school. But I yeah. find it kind of interesting that we are so in in line on walking down this road of the mainstream that. Oh but you just send your kids to school then all is fine. You... And if
2: it's not then it's still within mainstream so it's yeah.
0: fine. Yeah. I believe
1: the self-doubts or when I talk about my own self-doubts and and maybe lack of confidence sometimes is probably very much linked to my own upbringing when I look back you know the way I've been I've been conditioned by by my family by my you know the way where or the places where I lived in Germany you know these things childhood uh, conditioning uh, pretty much are kind of key in the ways we respond to things so if you you want to be part of something you want to be part of this group and if you get kind of excluded because you're not ticking the boxes this is something that makes you in the first place feel uncomfortable and you want you want to be part of of you know you don't want people saying oh you're a bit strange you want people to to say look at you and say hey you you, you know i think it's fine it's good and and building this confidence um first I think it takes time. It takes a lot of experience on what you do and and, and yeah, on what uh, the things you you also like bring back to uh, to the society. But also I think it depends where you live. So when we were in the UK for, for a very long time, uh where homeschooling is legal and also like accepted in society, if you go out there in the morning to the library or into town and you 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 know you start chatting to people. And they would say, oh, the kids are not in school. He said, no, you're homeschooled. Oh, OK, fine. It's kind of accepted. No one gives you that, a strange look like, oh, a bit, a bit weird. No. Even if they maybe do, I don't know, if they talk behind you our backs. But
2: things. you
1: get that a general positive feeling. It's OK. It's part of, of our society. Mm-hmm. While in other countries, you know, not mentioning Germany, but I haven't really lived there for more than 20 years. But in other countries, you get more questions where people say, okay, so what do you do? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, a bit of online schooling. And when you, when you mention online schooling, then people are more, okay, it's fine, uh, unless you want to really go into, into a conversation about what you do. Exactly. But um, so it's about my own conditioning, the, the things I have to deal with, my own kind of mindset um, issues in a way. And the way, and that's also just my own explanation, when people respond with kind of not constructive feedback, but kind of negative feedback, questioning you or criticizing you. I believe this is then linked to that they feel criticized that their way is yeah. not being accepted. Mm-hmm. So I give you an example. My sister, she she really couldn't really make sense of what we do and why we do these things and was very um yeah um what's the right wording here? Um very critical. Let's let's leave it there. And and I've think after trying to listen to her side and trying to understand her i think she felt sort of criticized by the choices she has made for her family that i do you know that i do something different sort of in a nutshell that she would she might think what she does is not good enough for her kids because she sends them to school you know so th- that's probably what she read by my by this by the decisions we did for our kids that she right. would Feel like no, okay. Am I what am I doing wrong here? And then using this criticism and mirroring it back to me and saying no, 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 it's the one you, you're doing here something wrong. And I think that's what I could see a lot in conversations that people, uh, if they don't want to really open, listen to your to your choices and and trying to understand why you're doing certain things, that they feel criticized by you by our decisions. But it's something I don't have to deal with. That's their that's their problem. I have my own issues i have to work with so that's that's okay
2: i think you're very right and i think also when when people we meet it's more painful if it's siblings parents best friends but in general when we meet people and we have this home based lifestyle <clears throat> where we don't send our kids out to any institution we touch upon a base psychology that is imposed on most parents in, in our shared culture and in the West that we have a child and then we give it to strangers, basically, after a short time. Some places it's a few months, in yeah. the more privileged places could be a few years, but still you give it to strangers to do the upbringing. And we are told that this is about women's liberation, this is about equality, this is uh, irrational emotion that we feel when they cry and we push them off to strangers and we run away and we cry in a corner that mm-hmm. they will stop crying after a few minutes. We have to just forget about it. they will get used to it. It's all good. all kids need education, all this blah blah, yada, yada mm-hmm. bullshit that we are being fed. But as as a base psychology, if you do this and you do it every day and you do it every day to the people who are the most important to you, For years, then it becomes true. Even though underneath that, there is a great pain. There's the pain of doing it, something that's very wrong to your children. And there's the pain of lying to yourself. And that's just being pushed under the surface. And there come you, trotting with your kids all smiling, all together, just doing something else. That's very provocative. That touches right there in the pain, and it makes people very angry when you touch their pain button, I think that thing, we've met a lot of that same kind of, sometimes even rage. And it's not about me. It's about one big fat lie that's going on in our entire, I mean, it's a shared culture in all of the West. And it's basically yes. bullshit.
1: Absolutely. And that's what I meant by, by conditioning. We condition, and that's the conditioning we went through as well. And that's why we, also, like, sometimes I can feel these these kind of pain spots because something comes up from my own childhood, as I explained early on, because in a way, in a sense, you want to be part of a group. You want to be accepted by your family and friends, or especially family, and, and that they take you as you are and, and, and these things. But, yes, I agree. It's, it's, it's the big lie, and I think that's why later on we have, so many, or well, we have so many people with mental health problems, broken families, broken relationships. Uh, because Breast obviously, from the very early stage, we are breaking this kind of trust we have here with our or it's, it's something we, we want to try with to build with our children. So, from the moment we send them off somewhere and and uh, they feel like um, alone in that environment and that situation, they can't get any help, they just have to go through this. And this is the moment where this trust, this bridge of trust, breaks and crumbles. And this over years, over years. And I think also for me, this uh, when when I hear families, parents talking so much about, oh, we don't feel like connected to our teenage uh, children anymore, blah, blah. I said, yes, because they don't trust you anymore after 10 yeah, years or eight yeah, years. Yeah, and this, it's
2: like sort of too late at that point.
1: Exactly, exactly. <laughs> That's I, I'm like, my no day no wonder.
2: But now the kid is seventeen. You know, exactly. you should maybe yes I thought about that ten years ago or maybe seventeen Absolutely. years ago. Yeah. So
0: sorry, in, the, in, in the start, you mentioned the uh, the travel you had as a family, you and your wife, where you ended up figuring out your can you say work life home life uh, situation. Um I, I would like to go a little more in depth with that, uh, because I I think you touched upon something where, as I also said in the introduction, most of the people we talk with are often the women mm-hmm. who have been the stay-at-home parents, and you seem to have found mm-hmm. a balance where you're both uh, working part-time. Um And you mentioned, mm-hmm. what you said that touched me was, you said, but... First, you decided that you had a full-time job and you tried that. But in reality, both of you ended up stressed out. And when you said that, I had this kind of, oh, shit. Oh, yes. I remember that. I remember coming home super tired, overworked, and at the same time not feeling I had the energy to be there for my children. Uh, And my wife had done nothing all day or just hanging out. Uh, so she should be able to do it, you know. All these stupid things. Yeah. Um, so, so can you tell a little more about that process for you and your wife?
1: Yeah, I think when I look back and I think it's yeah, it's really the, it's, it rings a bell. What you what you just mentioned, in a way, it's another big lie we we fell for, uh, and the lie is uh, the moment you you have a baby or you have a family, uh, the life goes on as normal uh as the man you are kind of going out you earn the money uh making sure everything is right on the financial side while mom stays back home and as you just pointed out she has a jolly good time and when you come home everything is done just you know um even though society has changed obviously this is like kind of an old cliche from the 1950s 60s but in many ways it's still true when you listen to, to yeah, I would say not only to men, but also to women. I, I, I've i heard this quite a bit. And this is kind of the, the typical um, work split still, like, you know, the man goes out and works and then she stays home. Um, yeah, for us, I think it was like the moment our eldest son was born, um, I had, to, had that natural instinct. I want to be there. I want to be around him. I want to be around them as, as our little family in our nest. And and though I had a four week, a four week paternity leave, which was like two weeks official paternity leave in the UK and two weeks holiday I could take for my for my employee. Um, after that four weeks, I felt like no, I don't feel like ready going to back to work. I really don't want to leave, but at the same time, I felt that pressure, and need, I have to because you know if if I don't go out there, then then the money doesn't come in. And um, but from the very beginning, we both felt as as, as a couple, as parents. This is not going to work and this is really just stressing us out because exactly those expectations those unrealistic expectations her expectation was i come back home after my shift and should be fresh enough and energetic enough to take the baby and do everything else that she has a break totally understandable my expectation was i come home um, everything is fine there's some food and and you know everyone is happy but none of these expectations were real it was just a big mess and we were in the middle of this big mess, and I think we both kind of also suffered m- mentally through that time because, um, yeah, I main sleep de- sleep depri- deprivation and uh, lots of things where we um, yeah, just sort of went through. And after a few months, we sat down and said, "Look, we can go on like this, and then sort of run again this against this wall a few times until we just bleed and suffer, and it's just getting yeah. worse, or we change it." And for us to clear. Answer was that let's change this. I reduced my hours at work, which was not as easy as as I hoped. So my I had a lot of uh, talk at at work. Uh, we had a huge pay cut or money cut there, but it was worth doing it. We sat down and said, "Okay, we have less money available. It's fine. You know, it's 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 um it's okay as with a baby, you don't need much money anyways. Let's focus on us as as a as a family and let's deal with this." And that really was a game changer to say let's um have more time there's a family less time um at work but as i said even after making this decision it took us years to figure out what kind of the best ideal um concept or constellation work work-life balance as they always say it's kind of a kind of a funny one because what is the right work-life balance um i don't know probably everyone has their own own answers for this one for us it's, it seemed like we are both happy if we have some work also away from the family and you know things we really like doing and at the same time uh, um, spending enough time as a family but also as a couple and that's something we had to learn um yeah, as well that we are. Many um, kids got a bit older. That we take enough time for us as a cap- couple, and now we have something very beautiful after years established. That on a Friday evening, uh, that my wife and I we always go out. We have like couple time, and our kids, you know, they're okay. Our eldest is fifteen; he's in charge, um, and and that seems to work really well. That we have like that one evening a week where we just go out, and and uh, we are not parents; we are. Uh, we are coupled, and that's that's really good. But it was a long journey reaching this moment where we felt like, yes, now we have found a good balance of work, that money comes in, but also being as a uh, as a family. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
3: Hi, this is Cecilia. We're interrupting our own podcast just to make sure that you know that I am available if you want to talk to someone who has lived the unschooling life, who has traveled the world, who has beat cancer, who has been the mother of four amazing children. Luckily, I still am the mother of four amazing children. I know about life when it's hard. I know about life when it's complicated. I know what you need is probably most of all, someone who will understand the special world that you are in as an unschooling parent, even with your trauma and your personal history getting in the way. What I do really is to be a loving support, a rock. And I do it on the base that I am a trained psychologist. I have worked with a lot of people with a lot of different situations. I am so ready to be your support, the one that you need to get some confidence and be strong in your journey as an unschooling parent. So don't hold back. I give a 20-minute conversation for free. You can talk to me on the phone or in a video call and just see if it's a match. If you want to connect, you can find me on social media or find me on my website, CeciliaConrad.com. If you're a Danish speaker, I have a Danish website, CeciliaConneret.dk, and we can find those 20 minutes and see how it goes from there. And now back to the podcast. I
2: also think it's beautiful that you found your couple of time, but you also waited until the kids were old enough for it. It's it's one of my. Uh, things that I react upon very much when when young parents who have maybe even babies think that they have to go out on a date, they have to go away for a weekend to preserve their romantic relation when you, you have maybe a toddler who needs you. Yeah. It's not maybe the time in life to no. to go on a date. <laughs> you just have yeah. to sit with that toddler on your lap. That's how it is. And then, but now of course, you're, you're more or less in the same age range with your three children as as ours and we have the same situation now they're good we can go if we want to but
1: yeah yeah absolutely
0: i what you said made me think about when we walked away from the the dream life or the ideal of you can say what people think life should be
2: the dream that it wasn't our dream no no
0: no it, <laughs> it wasn't our dream you know it it was uh, we had the big house in Copenhagen we had a car I had a fancy job we had uh, wonderful kids and uh, we had a good amount of money life was really good but I was not super happy <laughs> uh and it, i just really hope uh that uh, much more people uh, will start questioning the the normal track um, trajectory. trajectory you know of going to school going to university getting a job and then we, if you're going to have a child then you need a house each kid needs their own bedroom and uh, all that Uh, But for me, because I've been, as you say, conditioned myself, uh, then I I think I needed it before I was ready to look at it and say, hey, this this is not how I prefer life. I prefer a much freer life where I choose what I do in the morning, where I choose where I want to be. But but I I didn't have the the guts to to just quit the job uh, before I had all those things. We had the house, we had it all, uh, and I I think it would be really beautiful if if we could help help more young parents or even before that people just start thinking what is my ideal life? Do mm-hmm. I actually want that house with the garden and uh, to two full-time jobs and two cars and all that, is it the right for us? Um, Something yeah. they don't teach in school, eh? Yeah. <laughs> oh,
1: they
2: don't teach you
1: to think. That Where's would be a <laughs> What would you like to do with your life? And is it worth it? That would be a very, very interesting subject. No, I, I totally agree. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it would have been interesting if schools would bring in such a subject, but I, I doubt that because, in a way, it's what what... The system in a way and i leave it there as, a, as just as this label the system expects you to do they expect you to to um follow exactly this same um the same you could say template mm-hmm. there's always this template and you have to just fill it in you know take this box take that box have the house have to have the um the loan uh you know and as an ideal citizen when you reach sixty or sixty-five, you get cancer and die. That's the ideal citizenship. Until yeah. then, you just... Uh, <laughs> preferably
2: a quick one because a the quick one. Yes, that you don't <laughs> yeah. that, the yeah. system, that the health
1: system that the health system that you're not so expensive for the health system. But until maybe then, a heart
2: you, attack.
1: Heart attack is beautiful. Beautiful. That's yes. actually
2: beautiful. But
1: yeah. First, it would be quite good if you maybe buy some medicine because I think that's what the farmers. Yes, a but you could it. have
2: a hard condition. Yeah. It through your fifties and early sixties, and then have a heart attack.
0: Yeah, that perfect.
2: Would be perfect. The idea is Maybe that with a the depression. There are a lot of those pills available as yeah. well.
0: What what yeah. I find uh, really fun is when we talk about this system and society. Then it is us people, uh, and and all of us has been um, on the same trajectory and have had these different dreams, and we ended up buying the house or dreams we thought we had. Mm-hmm. But now, when we are sitting in our car, we are, as you know, full-time travelers. The songs we often sing are some Disney tunes, <laughs> uh, and those Disney tunes are actually about people going on adventure, going on freedom. And I just find it really fun that a lot of these uh, children movies are actually about. I want to step away and uh, let's go on a I journey thing yeah and uh, r- realize yourself figure out who you are <laughs> so i find that really funny that we're sitting there uh, uh, just uh, s- singing away on uh, something
2: very mainstream but,
0: uh, but i'm not uh,
2: proud of
1: singing Disney <laughs> song,
2: but it's a really part of fun the fun idea
0: out.
1: is that part of the idea that make you they give you that feeling of longing for something but something that is kind of more like a fairy tale the fairy tale is that you go off to an adventure and you're free and you can do whatever you like but this is kind of the, the hope they give you. If you work hard enough, if, you're, if you sort of pay off your loan, if your house, if, you know, everything is, everything is fine, then you go on the adventure. And for many people, this translates as, oh, yeah, when I retire, then I go off and do my adventure. And that's what many, many people really hope for. They save all their life. And I, I sadly could see this with my, my, my own family, with my father. He worked all his life very hard uh um and saved every penny and then, when he was seventy, he got cancer and, and died. so I felt like you know he had just a few years in his retirement to really live his life and do the things he likes doing like traveling and and doing the things he he enjoys, but you know from his lifespan, it was just a few years but coming back to to what you said about uh, empowering people or giving them uh maybe um or guiding them helping them to to see there are alternative ways to to live your life i believe when i look back uh in time i believe now it is so much easier to educate yourself about these things so when we were making these first choices i'm not sure if even youtube was already around then i'm not <laughs> quite sure if it was, it was maybe it was really a... hard yes yeah, it was very one beginning. of the reasons
2: we do the whole blogging and podcasting man when we started there was do you remember the unschool bus it yes. was a blog, an American blog. It was one of the only places you could inform yourself about the combination of living tiny and traveling plus unschooling. Maybe there were other people doing it, but no one... I mean, we, there was no information out there.
1: Exactly, exactly. And in and Europe, nowadays... you just
2: be the crazy person. I mean, yeah. no one did it.
1: <laughs> the crazy no one, people.
2: even in Denmark yeah. where it's legal. It, yes. was just, it was just crazy people. Yes. Like,
0: I, I think sure. what... Unschooling have uh, reignited in me is the the the, the little boy who asks questions. I remember my school teacher also said always was like, ah, oh, now he's asking stuff again. Now he's questioning why the stuff is like that and all that. And, and then for a long time, I just well, I never really did the the normal the trajectory. I didn't go to university, and I wanted to make movies, and I ended up. Having an online career in youth, uh, online youth magazine, and all crazy stuff, and had a lot of fun. But what I really like about this self-directed life and the whole unschooling vibe is, I love pondering about stuff. I love meeting stuff I don't know, and then I'm like, oh, I actually would like to figure that out. And then yeah. learning stuff—it's just super fun.
1: It's super fun, and and what it taught me um yeah and that's what it taught me what i what i what i feel it teaches me every day is that learning never stops and this is another misconception i had in my early 20s i thought okay i've done school i went to uni uni for a bit i didn't finish uni but i went to uni a bit and then i had my my training so i felt like okay i'm done now this is like you know early 20s that's it <laughs> and now through obviously you know uh, parenting but also self-directed learning as a family guiding our kids, taking part uh in their adventure and their own in their own um on their or taking part on their own journeys, it really taught me and teaches me that that learning never stops. There's so many great things to explore and to learn about, as you just said. And you, you know, taking the time together with you with your kids and seeing, hey, I, I never really thought about this like like that. And and yeah, I I same here i really enjoyed this and this is um and the good thing is this will also it will never stop it will be like yeah therefore life and that's that's beautiful
2: we usually say we wake up with hungry brains
1: mm.
2: you need you need some oatmeal but you also need some something otherwise it gets very starved yeah. feeling
0: mm-hmm. can i ask torsen before you uh, met the whole homeschooling unschooling world uh, what did you think you should do and be in your life what oh. what was the trajectory that uh, you thought you were on because i bet you are another place today than what you thought
1: yeah oh it's a very interesting one because even though we uh, as a family we are unschoolers free learners or world schoolers or you know whatever word you, uh, you want to use um i was for many years still working in education but not like in, in mainstream education uh, more like uh for a long time supporting families um well it was not so much in education but it was more like more like a family community work and the like but at the same time i was doing like outdoor learning groups and forest school like uh, places um and while we traveled through different countries i also was working for micro schools and, and free democratic schools, just to see how these things develop. Because I believe in society, there's also a need for those places. So while we as a family make the decision that we are unschoolers, I still strongly believe we need education settings, uh, whatever you know, whatever we call them and whatever they look like. I don't think there should be something like we have in mainstream, uh, but mainstream can probably learn from these alternative ways. Um, alternative settings so i i i was working there and my belief was all these years what is it i can do what is it i can contribute to those places uh, that choose we need like have a physical place where we meet for activities or for some um kind of curriculum whatever they have all their own labels and 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 phrases for this but what can we do to uh, support and and guide children and families in learning in a way and that's that's what i always find very very interesting to see different models different ways different approaches um and 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 yeah to be on this this journey so this hasn't really changed for me because i'm still offering you know online education uh right now helping kids and teens in in making their own films and podcasts and and sort of creative artwork um and and these yeah this kind of work um probably my perspective has changed because the more i saw also like in different countries the more i got confirmed that our way as a family is the right path because i could see all these different settings they have their own issues and and um yeah i believe every time when when humans come together and create something there's also friction there's expectations and different you know i remember once i was working for a very small um micro school in austria only 10 families so it felt like homeschooling. I said, "Hey, this is this is good. This is great. Ten families, ten kids, twelve kids. This mm-hmm. is like homeschooling in a way." But all these ten families had different expectations and different understanding of of what kind of ed- education they wanted. So they came to me as as one of the uh, educators and said, "Oh, for my child, I want this." And you know, I said, "No, no, I want I want the ex- exact opposite." And i said, "Guys, <laughs> this is not going to work here if we." Yeah, we need to find some good compromises there uh so learning from those experiences also helped me reflecting on our own journey as a family but also just seeing uh, in a way it's good that there are so many families out there who say we have enough or we we sort of fed up with the system and we want to establish something different and I could see this in Austria Spain Portugal Germany wherever I go because this is like the the um this is what i observed in in these places that parents teachers kids and very often even um local authorities are fed up with the way education is organized and that's also my hope for the future that not everyone have, has to become an unschooler or world schooler or homeschooler but there will be a shift to more humane personalized individual uh, education where um yeah where these things matter more than any grades or outcomes or tests or whatever mainstream education is still doing.
2: Mm. I like the idea that Peter Gray has that we could close the schools and uh, put the funds into the libraries and and just have this knowledge empowering centers uh, with maker rooms and and even sports facilities, and and obviously, uh, good old classical academic knowledge available, but also personnel. So you would have someone you could actually ask if there is something you can't figure out yourself. Um, that would make for a space where you could take responsibility and build your own your own journey it's interesting you're an unschooling father we're unschooling parents so we don't have to say these things out loud but for those who have kids in school and don't know how this lifestyle like knows it from the inside how it feels the funny thing is you don't have to push children to learn children who are not pushed into the school system children who are not killed by curriculum they like learning they do it voluntarily our children always when we have some space in the calendar the first thing they do is they pull out all of their academics because they're like yay finally we have the time for it and they sit down and 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 they read shakespeare really they do and it's not something that we demand in any way it's just because actually all these things not for everyone all of them but but for everyone, some of these subjects that are taught in academics are interesting. They are they the kids become passionate about it. So I think if you take out of the equation the curriculum and the uh, the whole, you know, you have to obey psychology and, and mm-hmm. allow for the children to go explore, then they would all thrive.
1: Stay with us. We'll be right back.
0: Hey, just a short interruption, as I have a small message about some of the things I'm working on. My name is Jesper Conrad. It is my pleasure to invite you to become a less stressed dad. I know how it is to be stressed out. My wife, I had cancer. I have four kids and I had a long career and had to like juggle everything at the same time. And it's hard. It's sometimes hard to be a dad. It's hard to be the breadwinner, if that's what you are. That's what I've been in our family, where my wife has been at home with our children. And it takes its toll. And one of the things that really help is to talk with someone else about it. And that is why I've created the Better Dad in- Institute, together with my good friend Martin Cook. And at the Better Dad Institute, we have dad circles where we meet up uh, once a week and just Talk about life as a dad, because sharing actually is super, super healing in the process of being a dad. To just hear that someone else is working through the same problems that you are is um, very, very giving. And if you're into more like a one-on-one thing, then I would happily help you and share my experience of being a dad to four wonderful children and having a wonderful relationship with my wife and being a full-time travel dad, how I have juggling everything at the same time, having a career, and how I have learned to get those shoulders down to to actually be very happy in my life. Of course, the stress can like pop up, but then I have the techniques I've learned and which I would love to teach you. So reach out at the betterdadinstitute.com and if you want to get directly in contact with me, then it's betterdadinstitute.com slash Conrad. I look forward to hearing from you and um, have fun. And now on with the podcast.
1: Absolutely. This confirms what I said earlier on humans mm. like learning. Yeah. So you just need to give them the right stimulus the the right environment and yes some kids mm-hmm. you know they, just... they go first and 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 eat the books more or less mm-hmm. some of them it needs to be like more hands-on uh i could see with my three children there's a big difference is my my son who's 12 he's really like a hands-on person so he goes out and makes things and very social uh you know wherever we go he, he makes the first contacts to his friends and people and invites people to come to come along So it's about giving them the opportunities, the right resources. I mean, that's what we've been asked all the way and all the time. Oh, but how do you make sure you have like a chemistry lab? So no, we don't have a chemistry (laughs) lab uh, as such. But if there's a need for such thing, if my child would say, you know, I really want to uh, put some potions together here and make it explode. We will find a way uh, where we could do this. Or, as you said, ask the people, the right people to support us on 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 this one. Um, but you know, equally, when I look back um, to my own, uh, school time, I think we were super limited on resources. So, resources is one thing, it's about more like how, wh- you know, what as, a, as, a, as parents, as family, you can do to support your children. It always starts first with, li- with listening to them. So, if they t- share something with you, something they've learned, something they wanna, they wanna show you, you know, Sometimes it's just enough to listen to them and say, oh, wow, this is what you're doing right now. This is your project or this is your idea. And then they sketch this out on a piece of paper or on an iPad or whatever they use for, for resources. Right now, my eldest, he's very much into coding and web design. So I like web design, but I'm not, I'm not into coding, not at all. But he every evening he sits down and explains to me what he's done and what kind of script he's written. And I feel like, okay, I have no idea, but I'm listening to him. I pay attention to what he's doing that sort of confirms for him that i'm there to support and guide him and he's using skillshare as a platform uh no advertisement just saying it's yeah. really useful for him he he likes skillshare and and uh has done a lot of yeah workshops there and, and online learning there and now he's building websites and hey ho last week he got his first paid job and i said nice. mm,
2: great yeah. great
1: so even though you know i i i, I was Kind of not even guiding him. He, he was guiding himself. And but we were just there to listen to him, give him some some feedback on his work, uh, but mainly uh just just be around him as as um as an an adult, as a parent who pays attention. And um this is for me always the starting point. And if you need any additional resources, well, you know, we we can either get them or can go
0: to a place where you have them available. But if we start just by listening, Absolutely. are you familiar
2: with Sugata
0: Mitra?
2: With whom? He's, oh, it's Sugata Mitra. He's an Indian uh, um, education expert.
1: No, I'm not.
2: Okay, he's very he's very interesting. He had he made the hole in a wall experiment where he put a computer available for street. Children living in the street, without parents, without resources, just to see what they would do with it. It was he's done it, but you can look it up, but he he did a lot of revolutionary stuff, did crazy things with the idea of how can we educate even the most you know poor people in in India? And uh, he developed what he calls the Grandma technique. and the grandma technique is to be always loving and always impressed. You don't have to understand a thing the kid is saying. You just have to be impressed by it and think they're wonderful and say, how amazing, tell me more, and have this patience, patience of a grandmother. And actually, he made online schools. He has something he calls, I think it's the school in the cloud. It's been a while since I read. School in the cloud, I s- cloud school, school in the cloud, yes. something like that. Yes, exactly. And he actually hires grandmothers to be appreciative, it's their job. So they talk to the kids who are studying and the only thing they have to do is to be impressed. (laughs) (laughs) But the thing is, you know, being acknowledged and being seen is is a very important thing. And I think in in this modern day of distractions and this fake idea of busyness that most adults live with, it's hard, it can be really hard to take time to sit down and Look at, let's say, your child play Fortnite and be mm-hmm. interested. Like, what is this? You spend three hours a day doing it. It must be something in it. Show me, because so it's not my thing. I don't think I'll get it. It's for children. It it becomes this busy, busy, busy thing. And I think what you're telling me you're doing is at the core of what supporting our children's education. Actually is, because you said something else very important before, which was you get the question, how do you make sure they learn X, Y, Z or have the access to X, Y, Z? And when I get that question, I usually say I don't, mm. because I don't have to make sure that they are exposed to everything. That, that's not my job. It's not, it's, it's one of the fake ideas that there is this set amount of knowledge. It's here and we have to push the children into it throughout their childhood to make sure they're exposed. It's like the idea of a curriculum. Like I would know what's important to them. I don't. I'm sure they make sure that they find yeah. the information and the settings that they need in life.
1: That's a very good point. Mm-hmm. nothing by by traveling or by by you know by going traveling you expose them anyways to so many things that can pick up if they want to you know every time you go to new to new uh, to a new location new place new people new culture whatever it is they have the choice to pick this up and say hey this is really interesting and and take and take from this experience whatever they like and i agree yes because When I look back, whether it's school or uni or whatever I did in my life, it was whatever I did was a limited experience anyways. It's Mm -hmm. it's not not that you get exposed to everything now, even with the Internet. Yes, I could spend all day finding resource websites and videos and and educational whatever. But does this make my children happier? Does this make me happier? Does it make them more educated? Mm -hmm. I don't think so. I don't think so. So you're right. Yeah. Good
0: point.
2: Should we talk about the traveling before we?
0: No, because go? I want to uh, thank you, Thorsten, for something um, for what you do with the work uh, you're doing. And um, it, it's called Young Creators, your website, right? Yeah. And the reason I especially want to thank you is there is a guy I cannot thank anymore. He's he's not around any longer. Um, But he created uh, a video workshop in the city I grew up in where they actually uh, had this crazy idea uh, that uh, if you get um, a school class to make an, a, a small film together, a small movie together, then you learn a lot by the process. Mm-hmm. And we actually had this in the city I grew up where a lot of different school classes went through the project. Uh, where it is some of us drew a script together, others wanted to act, others were uh, doing the video editing or holding the boom and stuff like that. And I've been thinking back on that from so many times that it was a life-changing experience in my life. I learned the value of group work. I learned, but most of all, I learned, hey, I can actually uh, get an idea and realize it and do stuff. And what happened in my life was one summer I I read a book and I was like, oh, it could be fun to make that into a movie. And my not problem, maybe some people would call it a problem, is I often don't stop. I sometimes
2: call it a problem.
0: I don't stop. If I get an idea, I'm like, hey, I could do that. Then I take the next step and the next step and the next step until I hit the wall and I have hit some walls during my time. Sometimes I go through them. Sometimes there's a door. Sometimes
2: there's no wall.
0: Sometimes there's no wall. There's the perceived wall. You think there is a wall, but you just keep walking anyway. But what happened was I was like, hey, this uh, book could be fun uh, to make into a movie. And hey, they're not using all the video equipment during the school holiday, because it's only for projects for the school. So I wrote to them and asked, hey, can I borrow the equipment one summer? And they was like, "Uh, yeah, can you make a formal application? Yeah, yeah, I can do that. Uh, And then the next uh, wall I they made uh, me with was, but have you asked the author of the book? uh, Nope. Okay, then I do that. (laughs) And I asked him and he said, yes, you can. And and then uh, they said, so, "So you have some people to work with you?" Uh, no, oh, I will find a film crew, and I ended <laughs> and I ended up uh, with a film crew of twenty people uh, supporting me in this crazy idea of making an amateur feature film, which I did when I was sixteen, and and it changed my life. Uh, and not because in the start I thought I wanted to make movies, but what really changed my life was. You can actually get an idea, you can follow it through, and you have a real project in the end. Uh, And I believe that you are helping a lot of young souls out there with your young creators to show them uh, the same thing. So as Ronald, the guy, I don't have any contact with him anymore. And I'm, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's not around any longer. So I wanted to Thank him to thanking you, and can uh, we talk a little about your project?
1: Thank you so much. That's that's such a beautiful story. And yes, I I just agree with everything you said. It's um yeah, I, there's nothing else I can add here. Beautiful. Maybe thank you, you should tell caring. people
0: what you're doing.
1: Okay. Okay. Yes, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm because so we know self, I'm so <laughs> bad at self promotion. Um, well, do it now. You no, it's it. it's it's a place I I as said I've been for years. I've been um working as an online educator or online mentor. I'm not quite sure what the right word is. I haven't really found it yet because online teacher, I don't see myself as a teacher. Um, I see, yeah, see myself... How about
2: a... the word elder?
1: Elder, okay.
2: Just a wise one. I mean, in relation to teenagers, you are an elder.
1: Mm, but I feel like 25, you know. <laughs> I see a few
2: greater.
1: Elder. Okay, I will. I will... I would think about but it. I disagree
2: with you. I have to get rid of the word psychologist. I don't mm-hmm. like that. Mentor. I don't like that. Coach. Mm-hmm. I don't like that either. So, yeah. what am I? Maybe I'm just a little older. A little older. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to
0: talk more about okay. young creators. Yes, so young creators. What, what is
2: it do you do? And how you have a lovely teenager with a great idea? How do they get help from you? Okay. So what can you do for them?
1: Yes, yeah, so um, young creators started when I was thinking, or when I was already kind of guiding, helping kids and teens in, for example, making their own films. I've been doing this for for some years, for some online schools and and platforms, also like in a in the real world where I would um, go to places in Spain and Portugal where we would uh, have workshops, and um, from there I received a lot of feedback from families, but also sometimes from teens, from kids saying, hey, I really would like to make something for my YouTube channel. Or as you said, yes, but there's a story in my mind, in my head, and I want to really turn this into something, but I don't know where to where to get started. And this is how I thought we need, I would like to have this place, uh, which I call young creators or called young creators. Um, and my son again helped me with building the website and everything. And on this platform, I offer courses to kids and teens on especially filmmaking. So they come and learn with me from, from coming up with the idea. If they don't have an idea, many of them join, they have already an idea, but also have uh, um, kids um, there coming and say, really, I have some ideas, but I'm not sure if they work. So we talk about ideas and also have kids who come and say, I really have no idea, but I would love to make something. So we go through this whole process of of having an idea or brainstorming an idea, playing with ideas and this whole journey from there to designing your own storyboard, writing your script. Um, if they're in the same location, I always encourage them to work together because this confirms the picture. Making a f- film in a team is so much more fun and exciting than by yourself. Um, then they go off film, their footage, come back, then we edit everything together and then we have a... a. Um, Uh, film night or film afternoon depending on where they are in the world where we watch their productions and it's like a big party kind of a celebration of what they have Mm -hmm. um, achieved in that time and i love doing this (laughs) this is what i can say it It sounds
2: really fun
1: it is fun. I I um I'm sometimes speechless by their by their passion by their energy. Mm-hmm. Early on, before I came here, I had a message from from a mom saying, "Oh, my son is, is since he's doing the course, he's just doing every time he goes somewhere. He's doing he's doing filming now. He's doing editing, and I have never seen him so engaged in something. And um and I think film is a great medium where you can do so much more than just storytelling, mm-hmm. as you said, yes, but there's so much more you need to think of and and reflect on and it's um it's a great way a great tool to learn a lot about yourself and that's what i could see this transformation in kids or in teens when they do something um when they start a project when they finish it and this whole journey of of um yeah of a kind of a transformation of um what they not only achieve but um what they have learned about themselves on this journey and i'm 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 really pr- proud or have enjoyed be, uh, being part of be. this journey
0: mm. and yeah. and what I like about what what filmmaking does compared to writing. I've also written some children' books is that it combines so many art forms uh yeah. because you need to know about how to angle a camera or what framing do you want. You need to understand and get into understanding how music can enhance a scene and all that. So there's uh, wonderfully many art forms that you learn how they work, how you can use them. And and as I, I said to you, I wanted to thank this guy, Ronald, through you. I am sure that with these projects that you are changing lives. I know I sit here today due to that project, due to one week where some great school teachers were cra- crazy enough to go outside curriculum and say, hey, we could do this. And I can assure you it doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> it was it was yeah. back in the days. It's it the
2: was an experiment. It was
0: an experiment in the yeah. early 90s. Yeah. Yes. You're even oh, the it eighties. Used to me
2: be because of that.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. Oh. Yeah. Cool. Thank you so much for sharing again. Yeah. I think yeah. that's really powerful. That's an
2: empowering story.
0: I would like to, to talk a little about uh, fatherhood also, because um, we have just in our life been through. Um, oh, I had some arguments with our kids during the weekend, and it's not always easy to be uh, a father. Um, And part of it for me is I I think I do all the right things, but sometimes (laughs) I don't listen. Sometimes I don't ask, where are you on your own fatherhood scale? How are you doing?
1: Oh, wow. If you ask me on a good day, I would say, yeah, 10, 10 out of 10. On a bad day, it was, I would say, oh, today is a one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then I ask my, myself, so why is it a one today? Or why is it a 10 today? Yeah. And this can give you some clues of, of what is going on. And um, it's interesting because I'm a few years back, I, I've written a book uh, for Fathers, which is called The Empathic Fathers. And it was more a, a reflection of my my own journey, what I went through and how I sort of helped myself and 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 found some answers myself. And on a bad day when things don't go as well for me as a as a as a dad, my wife would say, so what would what would what would the empathic father say to you now? <laughs> so <laughs> could you could you go back to page 50? You know, I said, okay, <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> That's exactly what I needed. <laughs> no, um, it's it's um as, as in real life. You no, know, we have the good days, the bad days. Generally speaking, I would say I feel confident as a father because I enjoy being a father. I don't see this as a burden. Or as something that's happened to me in my life, it was a choice to be to become a father, and I love being around my kids. I have days where it's <laughs> where that joy is maybe um, less on the scale. We say, "Okay, I need a break," <laughs> but most days it's it's a it's the absolute joy absolute joy to be there to see them growing up, and and now especially when they when they're older, uh, sort of doing their own projects, becoming more independent. Also gives me sometimes a bit of a sad, um, melancholic moments where I feel like oh they're growing up so fast, but it's yeah part of the journey. It's 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 good that they are also uh, taking responsibility responsibility for their own lives. Um, to me, when I look back, and that's again when I when it all started, um, I felt like there weren't many good role models around um my own father he was around when i became a father but he i found him as as a man inspiring in some ways but not as a dad as a father someone who who is really there and caring and uh giving emotional support and showing empathy and and listening and and these things so i was really seeking for for people who could could give me that um that love that support that understanding and and I've, that's something i found really really difficult because um yeah as i said I, I, don't, I don't think there are many male role models around who are so open about this topic it's more like uh, um especially on the internet when, when you see things uh, memes about fathers is about either being being cool or being silly there's very little in between yeah you're either sort of the the, the total idiot who, who can't make pancakes and everything's just a mess, or you're the super cool dad who um, is, I don't know, the sports um, type guy, whatever, and does everything perfect, but nothing in the middle, like the authentic. that that's something I was looking for something someone being authentic and and um and yeah, and being open, honest, and supportive at the same time so when we were living in the uk back then i was sort of reaching out to people on on the internet but also my community and to see if we can build groups of fathers we don't have to be on the same page always but mm. at least we can we have something something in common that is fatherhood and that's something i found empowering meeting other that when we went off to the woodlands uh for weekend making fires there and and kids kids came with us playing in the woods and and i could see them very often in the evening after the fun the games everything sitting down by the fire and suddenly these honest conversations started to kick in and that sort of was the game changer for me to see hey i'm not i'm not on my own on this one you know the others feel exactly the same it just mm-hmm. takes longer for them to open, to open up and to break the eyes. But they struggle with exactly the same problems or the same issues at home or, or in their life. And that really, um, helped me then on my journey as a father say, okay, there's a place where I can go and we can talk about these things and we can support each other. And, and it's fine. It's, um, it's okay to open up and, and to be also emotional and whatever yeah. em- uh, feelings go through you. Mind or more body.
2: I wish you had that.
0: Yeah, more fathers out there.
2: Someone to talk to. Finding the right people, <laughs> finding your tribe. Huh? You're not, you're not. Yeah. Sitting <laughs> down around a fire. Yeah. Guys. Yeah. We hang out with David and Dylan. I know, but,
0: yeah, it, yeah,
2: but it's good. But it's just a it but sounds it's, like it's, a really empowering
0: thing, oh, but it? it is a thing that's also what I want to work on with the Better Dad Institute because it is uh, the the whole idea for the Better Dad Institute is created out of seeing it not there. Um, hmm. I, I tell this story about uh, Martin, uh, who is part of it, and his when when his he became a dad. His dad said to him, "Congratulations!" and invited him for a pint at the local pub. That was all the fatherly advice he got. And mm-hmm. we, we are not really good at sharing us men. And, and I think we are in a weird state where we, ah, one, I don't know if that's uh men are afraid to be vulnerable or what it is, but we don't have a tradition for talking so much with our dear friends about how it is to be a father, how it is to, uh, in our relationship, all that. It's more work and uh, football and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. I think
2: we have a crisis. Actually, after the women's liberation, the whole. I, I. You look like you're more or less our age, and so I. I think we're the same generation. Um, something went wrong. I mean, there was a lot of good, obviously, uh, happening with the women's liberation. Everything my mother did, and my grandmother did, and her mother even did to fight for, for women's rights. It, it had to be done but one of the downsides one of the sacrifices really was yeah. that masculinity became sort of a weird toxic thing mm. that that we disliked and the women had this power to to be the ones to set the scene around childhood and and be the ones to bring up the children in in all of the institutions and 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 everything masculine just this you know was was either ignored or um, acted upon as something toxic and i think it has become really hard to be a guy actually to be a guy who's not a girl mm-hmm. who's a guy yeah. but also is vulnerable and also is a father and a brother and a friend not just an overachiever getting up at five in the morning doing five thousand push-ups and and earning a lot of money. But I mean, we have that picture. That's a very mainstream big thing. You know, wear the fancy suit, read all the books and make all the money and have the pretty girl. But, and that's all good and fine in many ways. But the, the vulnerable guy, is he too much of a hippie? Or did he, does he have any language to to, to be an authentic, real person who's not a girl? I think There is something, and I cannot, I I wish I could say it like in a clear way, but I can't. I just see that we have a wobbly space and it has become, there's a silence there in a way where there are many great guys out there and they really are doing their best, but where women talk a lot about their children and upbringing and food and breastfeeding and reading and sleeping and everything family Guys sort of don't.
0: I mean, it's because it's boring. No. <laughs> that was, no, that only room for the very masculine man or the silly dad or the dad who's uh, who, who is, yeah. like, saying stupid jokes. <laughs> so you're in a stupid joke? Yeah, yeah I just okay. that. Do you want to stay up at
2: five o'clock in the morning,
1: kind
0: of No, <laughs> like... no, that's not for me. I could, I could.
1: I could it's very i mean what you're saying i i totally agree with yes and i uh, the reasons why it is as it is could be because until very recent society was very different organized and and also i think what i observe right now that society is transforming not sure into what exactly because i can see the the idea of families also like this seems like become very blurry mm-hmm. and 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 um and again, this is probably another huge debate or discussion we could have about, what, you know, what is family and and, and stuff. But, um, yeah, I think it's been for, for a very long time that um, men, as such, they weren't given that space to explore these things. Because of no role models, no, no, there was not, not the expectation, I think, like this. The man, you know, the family had to function uh woman had to function, men had to function in their own um cliches and their own stereotypes in a way, and it's kind of a fairly new idea um in a way that we are as men say yes, you know we we still we are masculine and still have ways and tools available to talk about these things and I believe it will take a few generations for um for men to you know to take this as an not as something that is um um negative or takes away their masculinity no this is like a plus this is like a benefit you are man and this is like something extra you are able to communicate you are able to listen you are able to to be a great dad um without all these other cliches i think this will probably it, it will take time to to for 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 people to understand and to realize that it's actually something beneficial my hope is that our children who had the opportunity and have the opportunity to wake up, not to wake up, to grow up with um, with, us men around that they have the chance, hey, I can do things differently once I'm in this position, Uh, rather than learning from scratch. Because I think when I look back, I would say I learned from scratch, experienced from scratch and I made my mistakes from scratch. It doesn't mean that future, future generations don't make mistakes they will make their mistakes, but I think there were some fundamental mistakes on my journey because of my own experience, my own conditioning. So, uh, yeah, and I think if we have more generations of kids grown ups, growing up into this kind of um, freedom or that choice they could make, the choice they could have, uh, I have hope that these things will change as well. That They say, yeah, I'm um, I can be a I can be a good man or a good dad. I hope so.
2: I think I think that there is hope. <laughs> I think one of the movements that is happening is this. I mean there is a sort of space opening for we can talk about masculinity again as a non-toxic thing. Absolutely. We yes. just have to hold it precious and what I think is very I used to be a burning feminist. And I don't think that changed. It just had more layers, if you want to say it like that. Yeah. I think we have to be aware that there is a real crisis going on for men and for boys. Boys are more vulnerable to men developing mental issues men are more vulnerable to becoming lonely depressed suicidal um they have had for some generations now less wiggle room especially the good guys if i may say so the guys who want to be real they know how toxic it could have been, and they respect all the things our mothers did to make space for the women who now have, in many ways, not always, but in many ways, the space needed. So the good guys who see the whole history of humankind and and the way their gender has played a role and the whole thing, they get very squeezed by how they are brought up and what they want to what kind of man they want to be because there are no role models as you, as you said. There is no, you know, how, how then how do we do it? And 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 on the flip side of that, also for women, then how do we do it? I have a very fancy education, and a lot of people would would argue that it's really a waste that I've been looking after my children. And it was a, a thing we debated for a while when I wanted to stay home and my husband wasn't sure that would Would I be happy if if I didn't you know fulfill my potential if I didn't work with my brain as if it's brainless to have children? Hey, <laughs> but I mean it's it's a real thing and and it, we, we it, I, I can't say in any concise way, in any way at all how we fix this. But I think there is a space opening for fixing it for for putting the energy into thinking how how do we do this? how can we hold this? How can masculinity be brotherhood and and brother love and friendship and fatherhood and Empathy and and also holding. I mean, hold, you said you didn't want to leave your wife and child after four weeks. I mean, no, no wonder. I remember the four-week mark. Yeah, terrible. There needs to be someone looking after the mother because the mother is looking after the baby all the time and, exactly. and you're totally exhausted. You forget to drink. You forget to shower. You, forget, I mean, there has to be someone. And in this crazy world where we live in these little units, there's no grandmother. There's no sister. There's no friend. There's no one else. It has to be the dad. But he's not around because he's at the office.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. Should I shut up
0: now? No, I just want to end on a more positive note somehow. (laughs) I think the best way to change. And now
2: we're doing the Fatherhood Institute, the Better Dad. What? I'm sorry, I forgot the name. It's so hot. We're in Spain. It's really warm out. Uh, Better Dad Institute.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I think those initiatives, those initiatives, and and by living the lives we live, by showing other people, I think that's sometimes the most powerful impression you can give on society when you really go out there. Uh, I think Brittany Brown would say, go in, into the arena. You know, you are you are vulnerable because you are in the arena and people can see you, they judge you. But by being there in the arena, you are uh, showing you showing um you're showing yourself and you, you know, people can can see the change in real In real time in a way and that's something i found uh sometimes even more empowering than getting any kind of feedback to my book or my work but when people say to me hey i just watched you and the interaction with your kids and i think you did really well or or something 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 along the lines where you feel like people appreciate and observe this kind of change this positive change Mm. and and or take something away for their own family um, even if it's just a small change to do themselves. I think that's that's very powerful.
2: It is. In,
0: in this city we are in Spain, it's where we drove our bus down when we bought a big red bus and started traveling the world. It ended here in El Ventre, near San Salvador, uh, one yeah, hour from Barcelona.
1: Barcelona.
0: Yeah. Uh, and uh, at some point I heard that often the locals, our friends, they referred to us as uh, La Familia, the family. <laughs> And that was a little weird for me because until one day I was like, "Oh, I looked around, and people were not together as families they 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 were there alone, the grown- ups uh, but we often travel always yeah, always move and travel as a family. We like to be next to our children. We nice like to hang out, see what they they are doing and having fun. So, so yeah, just being out there and showing the world that you you can be a unit, uh, I think, is a very strong thing because people live these very uh, solo lives inside the families where each of them have to have their own sports they are going to or uh, after school curriculum things. Let's
2: not be
0: judgmental. I'm not judgmental. I'm just observing that I see it uh, very often, and I and I find it wild that that people live so. They divert it with their mm-hmm. families. Mm-hmm. But, Torsten, we should <laughs> round up the, the podcast. So if people want to check out uh, the work you're doing uh, and the book, can you re-mention where they can find it and the website address? I will also put it in the show notes.
1: Thank you so much. Yeah, they can find me on Young Creators. And Creators is C-R-E-8, O-R-S.com, YoungCreators.com. They can see all the online courses. And things I offer to kids and teens right now. Um my book is not available right now. I still have some hard copies, but the publisher where the book got published went bust, so it's still on Amazon, but you can't buy a new printed copy. You only can buy secondhand and copies for me. I'm happy to mail this around the world. And um, yeah, but the best way to to get in touch with me is my via my website. And yeah, just say hello. Yeah, if you want.
0: But Thorsten, thanks a lot for your time. It was a big pleasure. And thank you for changing young people's life with um, showing them the wonderful world of uh, filmmaking. As I told the story, it changed my life a lot. It was a pleasure talking to you.
1: Thank you so much for having me here.
0: Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you liked that, then please share it with all your friends and family. We would also love it if you gave our podcast a review. Thanks. And if you want to support our podcast and work, then you can find us on Patreon.com/slash/TheConradFamily. We will continue to travel full time, and if you want to tag along, then please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Conrad Family. And you can also read more than hundred blog posts on our website, TheConrad.Family. Until next time, make a wonderful day. Thank you.